It's a rewatch Wednesday here on the Lockdown Giants podcast as we look back at some of the good and some of the bad from the Giants' previous game. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day, your first watch of the day if you're catching us on YouTube. Really appreciate it. So let me give you a rundown of what we're going to do today, what we've got coming up Thursday, what we got Friday. So on Twitter, I put out a call to ask you guys and gals, who were some of the players, five players that you wanted me to talk about, the film you wanted me to really go into and study. And I've gotten quite a number of responses, but in all fairness, I haven't put the question out yet to my regular listeners, those who might not follow me on Twitter. So that's what I'm doing today. So originally I was going to do something on that for today's show, but I'm going to give you all a chance to contribute who you would like to hear about. And that's going to be the topic of Friday's show, barring, of course, any major news stories that I have to break or work, you know, work on. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk a little bit about the good, the bad, and the ugly from my rewatch of the Giants game against the Dallas Cowboys, things that I think they can build on, things that I really think they need to fix. And then on Thursday, Sosa Kramenhas, who is the host of the Locked on Rams podcast, joins me for the weekly crossover show. So that is the schedule. We are going to go right now into the good, the great, and the ugly from the Giants 44-20 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. All right, let's start breaking down some of the good, bad, and ugly. And I'm going to start with the good. Got to start with Kadarius Tony. All right, now I can't help but think with Kadarius Tony how much he reminds me of Odell Beckham Jr. And let me explain why I say that. Odell, if you remember correctly, when he was a rookie, started off kind of shaky. He had the injury. He missed four games. Um, But when he came on, he was electrifying. Kadarius Toney also got off to a slow start, but he has been electrifying these last two games. And there's a few things that I like about what he brings to the table. Number one, you know, if you have been listening to me or reading me, you know how I always used to praise Sterling Shepard for being a master at finding soft spots and zones. Kadarius Tony, ladies and gentlemen, is not far behind Sterling Shepard. Against zone coverage, that young man was able to absolutely uh, sniff out the safest spots in the zone. And then even in tighter windows, and this is something I thought he did a little bit better than Sterling Shepard, even when the zones were a little tighter, Because Tony has such a quick twitch to him, he was able to juke guys right out of their sneakers and pick up yards after the catch. So to see this kid take a five-yard reception and turn it into 15, 20-plus yards 
was just absolutely breathtaking. It was electrifying. And he was basically playing at a speed that um, that nobody can keep up with and nobody could match. So let's talk about um, a couple of things he did really well, in addition to his zone work in the Giants offense. Okay, there were two spectacular catches that he made on the perimeter. They were both deep balls where he just basically outmuscled his man. And Tony is a guy who makes guys miss tackles. I mean, he breaks tackles and he makes them miss. And that's something this Giants offense hasn't had for quite some time. Not really since you can make the argument since Beckham. And it's been a missing element of the offense that is so important because, you know, the Giants prior to getting Tony involved, their yards after the catch to start the season was pretty low. And ever since this kid has come on, boy, has it been great. And it's been improving and he's just a viable weapon for them. Now, hopefully the uh, sprained ankle that he has um, won't keep him or slow him down. So that remains to be seen. But he did tell everybody that he anticipated being out there. He, he said, quote, I'm a dog. I expect to fight, end quote. So, uh, but still, we'll see if it has any bearing on how much he's able to do or what he's able to do. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you about Tony that, uh, yeah, so Tony, one other point I want to make, when Trevon Diggs was shutting down Kenny Galladay, guess who Trevon Diggs couldn't shut down? Yep, it was Tony. Tony, with his stop and go ability, left Trevon Diggs basically in the dust. And it was um, it was quite amazing to see that, given how well Trevon Diggs has played. The one thing that I didn't like from Tony's game came on a fourth down and two when he probably should have gotten a pass interference call. And I'm talking defensive pass interference, but the flag never came. Surprise, right? Um, anyway, uh, on that play, what happened was um, Tony didn't create any contact with the defender and he ended up kind of slipping a little bit when he made his cut. So the defensive back ended up pushing him down on, onto the ground and the officials, you know, watching this decided that there wasn't enough to call defensive pass interference. And so, you know, you can argue whether that was an incorrect call or a correct call. He didn't get it, but Look, the bottom line is on that play, Tony, I think, failed to outmuscle his guy and just needed to do a little bit better of a job um, in that instance. Overall, though, 10 catches, 189 yards. Um, yeah, there was also the ugly uh, punch that he threw that got him ejected. The kid's going to learn. But he, see, here's the thing, though, that they have to watch for moving forward. And that is that he doesn't get goaded into doing stupid stuff like that going forward, much like Odell Beckham Jr. did that that one time against Carolina. You know, it's okay to play with emotion. And quite honestly, I was glad to see Tony playing with some fight in him and some emotion, but you got to control it. And if he can't control it and it becomes a problem where he's drawing penalties, then the Giants are going to have to do something about that. They're going to have to you know, reel that in. Let's hope that it doesn't ha come to that because you don't want to take away a guy's aggressiveness nor his passion. But at the same time, you want him to play 
smartly and uh, throwing punches, just not, uh, just not smart. Final thing about Tony's uh, game that I forgot to mention, he threw a pass. Um, and I'll tell you, he did, he threw a pass against the Saints very wisely, I might add, you know, calling on his quarterback experience from his days in high school. But um, you know what? I thought this kid overall in the two games where he's really had a lot of snaps, there's so much that they can do with him. And I just can't help but think moving forward this weekend with the Giants not having Daniel Jones in all likelihood, I wonder if they might be giving Tony or planning to give Tony a wildcat snap or two. Wouldn't that be something? Kid's just electrifying. And he has been a bright spot um, in the last week in a, in a game that, quite honestly, I know was forgettable. Hey, Giant fans, if you do a lot of driving like I do, then you need to know about a fantastic new app called Get Upside. When you open an account on the Get Upside app, you can earn up to 25 cents off per gallon every time you fill up at the pump. Over time, that kind of savings adds up. Some people I know are making as much as two to $300 per month in cash back, and that cash back is available directly to your account, via PayPal, through a gift card, and you can cash out anytime you want. And now for a limited time, when you download the GetUpside app and use our special promo code TOUCHDOWN, you will get 50 cents off on your first fill up. Again, that's 50 cents off with the promo code TOUCHDOWN. So download the GetUpside app today and start saving every time you fill up at the pump. All right, Giant fans, now I want to talk about tight end Kyle Rudolph. Now, I've gone back and I've looked at the playbooks. I've looked at my notes. Why isn't Kyle Rudolph getting the ball more? What's going on with him? Why has he been so quiet? And I got to tell you, folks, I was very optimistic when they signed him. I thought, okay, great. They finally got themselves a red zone weapon. They finally got themselves a better blocker than Evan Ingram, a better inline blocker. So far, we haven't seen that. So what's going on there? I mean, the Giants this past week basically utilized Rudolph in garbage time. And a big reason for that is Rudolph has struggled to get open. All right. Now, is that still the remnants of his foot surgery? Most likely it is. But uh, I'll tell you what, the slowness in which they brought him along, you know, you just kind of wonder if maybe they should have, I don't know, played somebody else, had Caden Smith in there. Because, I mean, every time Caden Smith gets involved, whether it's blocking or catching, granted, he's not as athletic as Ingram or Rudolph but he's reliable and give me reliability over, you know, a guy who's maybe operating at 50% or whatever it is. And right now Rudolph is not operating at hundred percent. It's pretty clear on tape. The other thing I've got to point out, and I went back and looked at this play on the play that Daniel Jones was injured. Guess who was one of the culprits for not sealing off his man? You guessed it, Kyle Rudolph. It was Kyle Rudolph uh, had the outside guy 
And I'm not sure exactly what he was doing on that play, but he basically kind of gave the guy a push, kind of like a patty cake type of push. The defender bounced off him, got Daniel Jones, knocked into Daniel Jones's head, concussion, good night, Daniel Jones, you're done. I mean, again, for a, I don't know what Rudolph was thinking there, why he patty caked the guy instead of anchoring. The only thing I can come up with, quite honestly, is the foot, that the, that the foot is not right yet. And I have to say, through the first five games, the lack of contribution that we have seen from Kyle Rudolph has been disappointing and disturbing, especially given the amount of money that is invested in him. And I'll make this final point on Kyle Rudolph. If this continues, for all those who might be hoping that the Giants trade Evan Ingram, I don't know that they will. Not until Kyle Rudolph proves he's 100%, truly 100% to where that foot maybe isn't interfering with what he does and how he plays and whether he can get open or not get open. So that would be a concern of mine. All right, Giant fans, continuing our look at the bright spots and the many, many dismal spots from the Giants' loss to the Dallas Cowboys. And I can probably devote a week's worth of show to all the dismal spots from that game. But I want to talk about the offensive tackles because a lot of you have asked me you know, about the offensive tackles, Nate Solder and Matt Paired. And Nate Solder, you know, I'll start there. Nate is a good guy. He is a good locker room presence. He tries to do everything the right way. However, I think on the field, Nate's done. I really do. I mean, he got pushed around like, like a, a blocking sled by Randy Gregory. And even though he didn't allow any sacks, he gave up far too many pressures for my liking. And that was a big reason why I think Daniel Jones and then later on, Mike Lennon were not able to fully get comfortable in the pocket. Because if your blind side is not anchored down, you're going to be constantly, you know, looking over your shoulder, trying to hear for, um, you know, footsteps. You're not going to be as effective if you don't have confidence in that left side. And that was a, a, a problem. That said, I thought Solder fought. I thought the effort was good. He was, uh, his, his back pedal was fine, but uh, the blocking against Randy Gregory, just no match. It was just no match. And what I don't understand is why the Giants coaches didn't put help on that side. I really don't get it. I mean, he had a, a tough matchup in Randy Gregory, but no help. Is that because the Giants coaches felt that, okay, he's going back to left tackle, his natural position, and he's a veteran and he doesn't need the help? I mean, after the first few struggles against Randy Gregory, wasn't it apparent that he he needed help? Or maybe I'm just seeing things. I don't know. But um, yeah, that was a problem for me. Also a problem for me was this run blocking, which just, you know, it wasn't sharp. He wasn't getting any push. Just a rough day for Nate Solder. Now, let me talk a little bit about Matt Parrott, who I thought did fine. But on closer review, here's the thing. The Cowboys didn't really challenge Matt Parrott as much as they did um, Nate Solder, which was kind of interesting. Okay, so 
with um, with Matt Paird. He had, I think, I'm trying to remember who he went up against. I know it wasn't Randy Gregory as much because Gregory was against Solder. So Paird, who didn't get help, um, did just fine protecting his side. The only problem, the only hiccups I think I saw with Parrot on film was when he faced stunts. And um, but even then, I thought he did pretty well there with with the communication with Will Hernandez. But there were a couple of hiccups there that that, you know, where he rebounded nicely against the stunts. Um, Otherwise, Parrot was good getting his hands into his opponent's chest and stunning them Uh, where he came up a little short, though was that he was bending at his waist instead of at his knees. And if he's going to do that, he's going to get knocked off balance. You can't bend at your waist because you now lose your base and it becomes easy for a defender to push you off balance. So that's something I'd like to see him maybe uh, clean up in, in the coming week if he's got to play again. His run blocking was pretty good. The Giants did run a whole lot through the right tackle hole, but what we did see from Pear in that regard wasn't that bad. Um, I liked how he shielded his man. So he basically kept his, you know, Pear basically kept his body between his man and the ball carrier. If he went that, you know, the ball carrier went to that right side. Um, really looked sharp, Matt Pear did. Um, kind of like how he looked before COVID struck him down last year. So, I'd like to see him get more snaps uh, and, and, you know, not at the expense of a rotation because I can't tell you how much I dislike that rotation deal, but I would definitely like to see that kid get some more snaps at right tackle. I mean, I've said this before and actually, you know, I think somebody asked me this question why I keep saying Nate Solder won't be here next year. So I might as well answer that right now. Nate Solder voided uh, uh, as part of a contract restructuring, um, voided out the last year of his contract, which would have been next year. He's not coming back next year. I mean, I'd be very, very surprised if he comes back next year. So that's why I keep saying that I don't think that Nate Solder is going to be back next year. I think ideally what you're going to see from the Giants, kind of looking ahead, I realize, but ideally what you're going to see is Andrew Thomas at left tackle and the right tackle position will maybe come down to Parrott and Isaiah Wilson who will compete for it next summer. That's if Isaiah Wilson, you know, continues to work out for the Giants, but that's down the line still. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, let me tell you about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors, plus get the occasional limited-time offering all available in nut and nut-free variety. Visit BuiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order with our special promo code LOCK15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 only at BuiltBar.com. Again, that's for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, let's talk about some more positive stuff. How about that? Let's try and stay away from the negative stuff. I mean, who wants to be a downer on this a hump day, the middle part of the week. Let's talk about some positive stuff. Austin Johnson, there's a guy that played pretty well. Now, I've kind of been on Austin Johnson a little bit, saying that he's no Dalvin Tomlinson. He's not. But that being said, Austin Johnson had a positive showing against the Cowboys. Um, He was forceful at the point of attack, 
and he was active. He had um, an early cutback lane that he cut off all by himself. Uh, he had a two-yard loss against the Cowboys. He threw um, one of the running backs for a two-yard loss. Um, just did a good job making plays with his feet. And uh, let's see, he had a sack near the red zone off of a stunt, no less. I mean, Austin Johnson, one thing he's done really, really well that I don't think a lot of people have given him credit for is when the Giants have called for stunts, he's usually involved in those stunts and he usually does a good job selling them. So credit to him on that. Um, Four of his tackles, he had four tackles for the day, two went for negative yardage, very active game. Like I said, made plays with his feet, didn't hit the ground, which you don't want to see, obviously, with uh, your defensive tackles and your defensive linemen and just made the most of his snaps. So if you're looking for another bright spot from amongst the Giants defenders who otherwise could not stop the run, who couldn't do much of anything against that Cowboys offense, Austin Johnson would be your man. All right, we talk about the run defense and how the Cowboys rush for 201 yards against the run. And the problem, as I've said before, is the play on the edges. Right now, it's kind of on the soft side. You've got, you know, Aziz Ojulari, who is going to be a fine player for the Giants' defense, no doubt in my mind. But right now, that young man needs to better anchor against the run. There were um, too many instances, I think, with where Dallas early and often ran at him and had success. Um, he, he's got to do a little bit better job getting off his blocks and getting himself in the position to kind of crash down on the, the running backs that are coming his way and stop them. You know, and the same problem existed on the other end. So, you know, the, the Giants run defense, I know I've gone over that uh with David Turner, we went. We talked about that on Monday. We talked about, you know, the missing of of uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. We talked about Blake Martinez not being in the lineup. In this case, no Jabril Peppers to come down and play in the box. But um, the Giants got to do a better job playing the run at the at the end spots. That's just the bottom line. And until they shore up that contain on the end and they uh, get off of their blocks, they're just they're going to struggle. And they have struggled now two weeks in a row because of that. And um, if they don't stop that run, then teams are going to tee off on them in the passing game and it's going to get ugly. All right, Giant fans, that is going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget, tomorrow we have the crossover show. Sosa Kramejas of Lockdown Rams joins me. And we will talk Giants, Rams. And then, of course, I will be on Sosa's show, which um, I will be talking Giants. So hope you will check both of those out. And uh, don't forget, tell us who you want me to talk about on Friday. Put your comments either um, in the box, in the comments below, if you are watching this on YouTube, or if you're listening to the podcast on any of the platforms, you can send those into me at Podcast at gmail.com. And that email address is in the show notes. And the plan is I'm going to pick about five guys to really do a deep dive into and try to talk about those guys and 
you know, I'm going to try and do the majority of what, you know, the majority rules. So uh, I know everybody's going to have different lists and I'll try to pick the five most popular guys that, that I'm asked about has to be 53 men guys, by the way, they have to be on the roster. So no practice squad players, no injured reserve players or anything like that. I need to be able to get film on these guys and, Right now, we're not allowed to see the entire practice, so I can't comment on practice squad guys. So that's the only uh, condition, if you will. All right, folks, thank you again for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen of the day. Until tomorrow, have a great one.